high performance life, helping you to perform at peak levels in every area of your life. Here's your host, Chris Sperling. Hello, this is Chris Berlick with High Performance Life. I'm here with my colleague, Aaron Lindsay. And Aaron, I'm, I'm excited. We have a lot of good uh, interviews lined up on this couple, couple next podcast. I'm excited too, Chris. Yeah. Just, just the thought of everybody that you've lined up and you're doing a great job. I'm super excited. Well, I think you've lined one up today. We have John Mabry with us. I, yeah, John is one of my dearest friends on earth. John and I have a lot in common. John and I have been through a lot together and a lot. Each of us have been through a lot apart. But his story is inspirational to the core. And um, I've heard him talk about it before. And his heart is wide open. And he's, he's one of the most honest guys you'll meet. Just super friendly and very down to earth. And just... Uh, I'm pleased to call him my friend. Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you, you know, our, our listeners here, when we say high performance life, we had on here a couple of therapists. We've had some NFL football players. We, you know, and that, that is a physical performance, but we're going to a mental side of it. And that's what we always thought about, you know, when we did this podcast and we started out that we would start with, uh, you know, some, some of those things on the physical side, but it now becomes the mental side. And here's where we grow from the mental side. So John Mabry's with us here, and if you don't know John, John's been on Super Bad, and you were on NCIS, you're on ER, and you've done what? What other uh, jobs? Let's see, have we done? Oh gosh, countless commercials. Yeah, um, done some industrial uh, kind of industrial films. Done some. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, movie called Sublime. It was a, a yep. body double for Tom Cavanaugh in a horror film called uh, Sublime. That was interesting. So, uh, so you, yeah. you've got a long history. I mean, you've, you've been to Hollywood. Yep, yeah, been there, done that, and uh, been to rehab. <laughs> <Yep>. So, <laughs> Well, what we're going to do today is, is I do want you to just give our listeners, because I, I, just, I love your transparency here. For our listeners, this is going to be a f- fantastic interview. You, you shared with me a little bit about what you're doing and going through now. But if you would, just tell our listeners right now where, where you started and where you're at now. Yeah, let me just uh, take one second here to just uh, ask uh, ask the audience, the listeners, to um, maybe open up their heart and their mind to a little bit different perspective of the emotional and mental uh, struggles that we all go through. You know, yep. um, one of the, the big parts of my story is addiction, mental mm-hmm. health, and addiction, and um, there's such a stigma around these things. And so, I'm just asking the audience right now to just kind of open your heart and your mind to maybe a little bit different perspective of uh, mental health and addiction than maybe you have right now. Sure. So let me just uh, start off with that. So uh, my story, man, it starts off uh, born and raised Texan. So uh, San Antonio, Texas, is my hometown. I had right. head back there on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, go see family and friends back there. But I had a really easy upbringing, uh, really uh, easy childhood. I mean, I was really fortunate to have great supportive family, supportive uh, parents and friends and uh, community. I played sports growing up. It uh, wasn't uh, great, but I was just kind of average, but, um, you know, something I loved doing. Mm-hmm. Got into high school. So senior year in high school, I was named at, at prom. I was named class clown, most outgoing, most school-spirited, and best personality. Wow. So uh, that set the tone for my uh, college career. Move on, move on to college uh, as a freshman at Baylor University. Got involved in fraternity. I started doing the drinking thing. Was not out of control. Was just kind of on par with what everybody else was doing. 
and things were going super smooth. I'm going into my senior year. I'd earned a full ride scholarship uh, for doing video work as a communications major for the uh, athletic video staff. So okay. I got wow. the same scholarship the uh, the football players got. That's awesome. So I was like, so I felt like an athlete. So I'm building up this ego of like, okay, I feel like an athlete because I'm getting treated like one, mm-hmm. and I get to travel with them. I was dating the fraternity sweetheart who was a, a cheerleader. And um, I was social chair of our fraternity. So I was setting up, you know, social events with other sororities and whatnot. Things were going great. I uh, scheduled this uh, cruise out of New Orleans for about 45 of us, uh, 45 friends and Mm -hmm. fraternity brothers and girlfriends. And so we go out of New Orleans and go on this booze cruise, basically. Spring break 2000, you know, unforgettable or unmemorable. I can't. (laughs) I don't know if I know. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we've all been there. I think the pictures show I had a good time. (laughs) Yeah. So we're driving back from this cruise, and life was perfect. Everything I'd always wanted, I had, and it was all sitting right there in my lap. And then it all got flipped upside down in a seven-second car accident. Hmm. Um, just a freak deal. Tire blew out in a friend's SUV. Um, we rolled witness reports say between six and twelve times. Wow. Um, we rolled across the median. We're in I-45 outside of Houston. We rolled across the grass median, across the other side of the interstate, into a field. Holy cow! So. Um, I was conscious the whole time. I saw it all happening. Uh, saw my legs get out the window somehow and see him getting crushed numerous times. Nothing I could do about it. The car comes to a complete stop and we're upside down. And what happens when a car rolls 10 times in a movie? It explodes. It blows up, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I tried to stand up. I put my, my legs, my feet out the window. Again, car's upside down. And I looked down at my foot to try to stand up. And my foot wrapped around. It was basically hanging by my shin Mm. I could see the bottom of my foot and this is obviously I couldn't walk so I just threw myself out of the car and I crawled away from the car as quickly as I could and I turn back and look and all three of my friends are still in the car I'm thinking man this thing blows up and I'm the only one sitting out here and I didn't try to help like Mm. I wouldn't be able to you know live with myself so I crawl back in whether it's going to blow up or not and I said I got to help so I got um, one person out Um, the driver was pinned in from head uh was pinned in by her uh, head from the car crushing in on her and then her boyfriend up front was tending to her so they were doing their thing me and my other friend got out and they end up having to come in uh, with jaws of life and cutting my friend ashley Furman out of the front seat they pulled her from the car a uh, lot of head trauma mm. um, they landed helicopter so just like i've seen in a movie they yeah. landed helicopter on the side of the interstate traffic's all stopped i mean siren you know fire trucks ambulances police cars flares the whole nine yards. And then here comes the helicopter. Talk about traumatic. And they, I see him take Ashley off in the helicopter. And that's the last time I ever saw her. Uh, she passed away before they got her to the hospital oh, and, uh, that afternoon. Mm. So I ended up going into, uh, had to move, <laughs> had to move home into my parents' house and leave everything I knew from having this, you know, a high performance life in college, <laughs> man. I was, I was performing at, at my top level sure. and was now all of a sudden I couldn't go to the bathroom. Um, I couldn't see my friends. I couldn't go to school. Couldn't see my girlfriend. Couldn't walk. Um, and I'm living in my dad's home office in a hospital bed, mm. and felt completely disconnected from everything that I knew and, and had worked hard for. Mm-hmm. And it was all ripped out from under me within seven seconds. Mm. So, long story short, ended up having 14 surgeries that year. Going back to school and back home, back to school and back for more surgeries. And it was just this constant, like, you know, seesaw of emotions and, you know, a lot of, you know, physical therapy and pain yep. in between all mm-hmm. those surgeries to try to get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. 
it's like I'd gain something, I'd make some progress, make, and then I was like, boom, got to take it away. And then I'd work again, work hard, work hard, and then boom, got to go back again, start all over. Yep. Such is life, right? Yeah. It's three, three steps forward and two back, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So I ended up deciding <laughs> to amputate my leg below the knee um, a year and two weeks after the accident. And I'm glad I did. It was definitely the right decision for me and mm. at my age and my activity level, pretty active guy. Um, I needed to be able to get around, and, and I saw that I could get around better on a prosthetic than mm-hmm. with this bum leg. Mm-hmm. However, nobody really told me the you know, some of the downsides. You know, the physically getting back was easy, right? So yeah. I was playing golf two, three months after. So I walked the stage to get my diploma six weeks after my amputation Holy on a temporary prosthetic. Okay, and I went to conquer. I wanted to show everybody that I was fine. Because um, I've had people my whole life say, you know, you can do anything you want, you do anything you want, right? Okay. Right. And so I had that mindset. Okay, yes, I can get back, and even better than I was before, without any help. I just thought I had to do it all on my own. Mm-hmm. But um, I found that what what helped me the most was painkillers and the alcohol. Mm. So it helped numb the emotional turmoil that I went through in, in the trauma of that accident. Physically, I was skydiving less than six months after my amputation. Wow. Within a year, I'm doing triathlons. Wow. Um, moved out to California, uh, you know, graduated from Baylor in Texas, moved out to San Diego, working on a master's in counseling. I started doing triathlons. I'm skydiving. I'm doing more than I was before. Mm-hmm. But, man, that emotional stuff, that mental and emotional weight mm-hmm. kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I kept numbing out with more and more prescription medications, illegal medications, stuff I was getting off the street. I'm direct, Next thing you know, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from a you know, Christian background. My mm-hmm. grandfather is a prominent Baptist preacher and personal friends of Billy Graham for decades. And here I am driving down to Tijuana to go get pain pills, mm. you know, stuff I never thought I would be doing. Yeah. Um, and I got married along the way, and it didn't take my, my wife very long to figure out, start scratching her head and be like, something's not adding up here. But nobody ever put their finger on it because I was trying to bounce around. I was bouncing around from one substance to another to just kind of not get labeled as a raging alcoholic or a raging pain pill guy, or a raging Adderall guy or marijuana guy. It was yeah. just... Kind of, I would, I would switch it up so yeah. I couldn't get caught. You're right. I got to the end of my master's program in 2005, and I'm going, man, I can't go help anybody. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing too good myself. It was really just a distraction. Let me go help other people so that I don't have to look at me. Hmm. And the perfect opportunity came up for uh, an up-and-coming alcoholic and addict to move to Hollywood. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't have ever gone. <laughs> But uh, I got a I got a call. From, uh, my cousin's an actor. His name's Josh Henderson. He's been in Desperate Housewives and a, a bunch of stuff. And he called me up and he goes, "Hey, I'm going to lose my my right leg below the knee in the episode of uh, in the first episode of this series based on the war in Iraq. And it was called Over There. It just lasted one season on FX. But um, I got hired on for his uh, for his t- as a technical consultant. And so they had me do body double stuff for him, some stunt stuff. I'm going, man, this is a, this is a nice little deal, man. Let's uh, let's see how far we can ride this out. So. Next thing you know, I'm in People Magazine and Access Hollywood and USA Today and New York Times are doing articles on us. And um, next thing you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm on the set of Superbad. I'm, I got seen with Jonah Hill and Superbad. And uh, like you said at the beginning, NCIS ER Cold Case. I did an episode of Cold Case. And yeah. So all that was good, you know, fine and good mm-hmm. up front, but down, you know, behind the scenes, nobody knew the the emotional and the mental anguish that I was in. Yeah. I just kept covering it up with more and more substances. And I thought I'd reached the top when I got to the Playboy Mansion with uh, Adam Sandler, uh, Bruce Willis was there, Emma Stone, 
uh, to throw a few name, names out, John Lovett, some of these uh, okay. older, older SNL guys were yeah. there. Okay. Uh, Tom Hanks' son was there. And so uh, I'm at the Playboy Mansion with these like A-listers. I'm going, man, I, this is it. This is it. I've arrived. And then not too long after that, I'm bowling at Phil Jackson's house. And not too wow. long after that, I'm getting I'm getting licked in the back of a cab by Andy Dick. And so you know, just <laughs> weird, weird stuff started happening. <laughs> um, but uh, it all came crashing down again. Uh, I built up this, you know, here comes my ego. I'm, I'm building up this facade of I'm, I'm successful and I'm doing great mm-hmm. when really underneath it, I'm not. And it all came crashing down harder than even my car accident when I found my brother dead from an overdose. Oh, my gosh. He was my, my best friend and my only sibling. And he struggled with addiction for years, and we didn't encourage him to go get the help that he needed because we just thought he, he was really smart. He, I mean, he's MBA from, from Georgetown, smart dude. We were like, he'll figure it out. Right. You know, and, but it, you can't just beat addiction on your own. Right. You've got to have help. And so we just thought he would kind of figure it out, and he didn't. And we didn't want to talk about it as a family. We didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want people to look at us and go, oh, the Mabrys struggle with addiction. That family's crazy. So we just didn't say anything, and it ended up killing him. Mm. So I moved here 10 years ago from Nashville to kind of get away from the whole California thing. And, um, you know, I'm not, not proud to say it, but at the same time, um, I, I've been in rehab five times. Uh, I got, I've been kicked out of my house multiple times. I've lived in a trailer on the side of the Cumberland River over here, had holes in the floor and mold all over the place. That's where I was living for several months. I've lived mm. in multiple sober living homes. I've uh, been away from my, from my wife and kids for extended periods of time th- uh, throughout this process. But I'll tell you, you know, some people look at, you know, somebody's dealing with addiction and they go backwards, they go backwards, they go backwards. Well, it, the thing is, I haven't given up. Right. 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 And so if you're at a place where you feel like you've been hit, beating your head up against a wall right now um, in your life, but whether it's physically, you, you know, you, you've, you've reached a, a kind of a plateau mentally, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. and just don't give up. All right. And when I was asked to come on by Aaron to do this podcast, he goes, hey, man, I want you to talk about how you came from, from rock bottom and built yourself back up. And I said, Aaron, I'm at rock bottom right now, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest with you. And the reason is because I just went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. As a result of all the addiction stuff, it you know it just piled up over time. And unfortunately, um, I'm yeah going through a divorce right now, or, or we have been through a divorce. Uh, I see my kids once a week. Um, it's really crappy and it really sucks, but I haven't given up. And, and I'm not doing this on my own. That's, that's the thing I've, I've learned is that I can't get through this life on my own. I've right. got to be willing to ask for help. And one of the things that helps me out the most is therapy, regular, regular therapy. Um, yeah, I didn't want to admit that I needed medication and therapy, but guess what? <laughs> if I'm doing it on my own, I'm going to medicate myself and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my own therapist. And that, we see where that gets me. It gets me back into rehab. Um, I'm working with a 12-step uh, sponsor. I'm working a 12-step program, working with a sponsor. Um, I'm hanging out with people in recovery. Just went on a weekend trip to Savannah with five other guys in recovery. Um, so I've had to build up. Like in LA, people want a team. People need a team around them to help mm-hmm. them from get from where they are to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And so you have everything from a nutritionist to a, a, a you know a trainer to a manager, an agent, a publicist. You mm-hmm. have all these people around to help you because these these actors and actresses can't get get there by themselves. Right. Well, I've had to I've had to do that in my own life, and it, it means taking a taking a you know, ego check and going, man, maybe I need a 12 step sponsor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I need some other people who are struggling with addiction too around me so that I can, you know, get some help. Maybe I need a therapist. Maybe I need, you know, maybe I need to get to church more. Yeah. You know, so. Well, you know, it's, I, I tell you, I've never been through the addiction, you know, ever. Our family's been pretty spot on, but, but to hear your story. And of course we, we, we do know people that have had addiction problems. 
what you just said, I think, is so important. You you cannot get ever give up. You just get you've got to keep going, and eventually, I think you get there. You just get to that point where it's just like in sports. You 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 practice, you practice, you practice because it becomes perfect eventually. So you just got to keep doing that, you know. But I, I can tell you that your story is very encouraging. I, I can't imagine that people won't look at you and just think they're going to be behind you. They're going to be cheering you on. And the thing, the thing I got most out of John's story is that he was not afraid or ashamed to ask for help. Right. And to me, that speaks volumes, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like you're saying, the top athletes, they didn't get there by themselves. The greatest actors, they didn't get there by themselves. Right. They had help. Right. A lot of times people are addicted to substances. People are addicted to pornography. People are addicted to alcohol. People are addicted to television. I mean, there's, there's, you could be addicted. Amazon shopping on Amazon Prime. Shopping you know? is an addiction. I have to have a package delivered every day, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna go into withdrawal. But if, if if I look at this phone one more time, I'm gonna, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, it, but I think it's interesting though that what you just said. I think it's really, really neat that at least you understand. You know, you're, you're a strong guy, obviously. I mean, physically, but mentally too, because if you can come back from amputation and do triathlons jump out of airplanes things of that i mean that's physically that's to me that's unbelievable uh because that that's that's a rehab process that goes on and on and on now what you're dealing with now is is the mental side of it trying to get out of that yeah and and would you say that that's probably obviously harder absolutely yeah yeah people don't understand the physical part of coming back from a amputation hands down was easy and and for me for somebody that's maybe older who's a diabetic who had amputation from diabetes or something it's going to be harder sure but i was young and 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 healthy at the time so i was able to bounce back physically uh pretty quickly but here i am 18 19 years later still yeah in therapy you know like still willing to you know put myself out there in in, in therapy and uh do you know i'm on a medication program and uh those have changed over time but i'm just um and i've supplemented meditation's been really helpful for me you know increasing my 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 prayer life Mm -hmm. uh, is always helpful Um, essential oils have been helpful for me over the years um in reducing some of my medications so finding some healthier alternatives sure recognizing that diet is a a big deal yep you know and sleep Mm -hmm. you know all all these things come into play and and when we're talking about how you know improving our performance in life is uh it's not just the uh am i managing well at work Right, but it's am I managing? You know, my just the little, small, little nuances we kind of kick in the back of our mind. But it's like, no, it's sleep and diet. And yeah, these are these are big things that that add up over time. Yeah. So, John, what would your advice be to someone who has been afraid, or maybe some? You know, a lot of people grew up with this attitude that real men don't ask for help; they do everything on their own. What's a first step for somebody who is addicted to, to alcohol or drugs or, or something else? What is the first step? I think um, being able to share it with one person, being able to share it out loud. If you can find a trusted uh, person, whether it's somebody at your church, uh, whether it's somebody uh, in your family or outside your family, a lot of times is a better, better place to start. Just find one friend. You know, we just have fewer and fewer friends these days than we used to have back in, back in the day. I think more people feel uh, more disconnected than ever, even though we're supposed to be connected. What are you talking online. about? I got 500 friends on Facebook. You got 500 friends? <laughs> I got 2,500, and I'm still lonely. <laughs> I understand. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're, you're so right. You we're unplugged. I mean? Yeah. You yeah. know, we're, we're all connected uh, digitally, but we're not connected, you know, on a heart level. 
And so if you can, you know, for me, it was like saying it out loud one time that I needed help helps let some air out of the balloon. Mm -hmm. So you imagine like if you feel like you're just this balloon that's about to pop and you just can't take it anymore. There's so much pressure. It keeps building and building in your life. If you can tell one person, boom, that reduces that, that reduces that tension just a little bit. And that's why I share my story as much as often as I can is because whenever I do, it helps. That's awesome. It helps give me a little bit more relief knowing one, I'm, I'm just sharing about my, you know, sharing, sharing my truth. And then two, um, hopefully it'll help somebody else out. That's fantastic. So if you were to go to a friend and a trusted person and let them know what's going on, um, th- that would be a, the first start. I love it. That That is great Simple. advice. One more question. What are you doing now? Are you still acting? Are you uh, got any projects? What What's... Man, right now I've just been trying to stabilize after this divorce. You know, okay. I think um, I could go like I did before. Let me go try to show people I'm fine yeah. as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. That's been my mo my whole life. Let me go let let me go show everybody I'm I'm good. Guess what? I'm not good right now. You know, I mean, Got it. I, I'm not terrible, but I'm not great. So I've been just been taking some time uh, to do some travel. Um, been to in, in the last two months, I've been to Toronto. I've been to the Philippines. Been to Bali. Um, let's see. I just got back from Savannah. Uh, Thursday, I'm heading back to Texas, and so I'm fortunate to be able to take some time to do that to just kind of, you know, catch my breath a little bit and right. not just jump into the, you know, j- jump into something that I'm not ready for. Right. Honestly, well, that sounds good actually. And, and I yeah. think a lot of men. I think it a lot of men wouldn't say that that they're just no i gotta go accomplish i gotta go i don't want people to think that i'm a failure guess what i I don't care what everybody else thinks right now i just gotta think about what you know i gotta worry about what i think about me and what i think about me is i just need just need to take a little bit of time for me right now and that's okay awesome and i think that's kind of neat because it's okay to be selfish with your time yes yes Uh, i mean you're not gonna be able to help your family and help your you know career and the people you're managing at work if you're not helping yourself first and foremost had the conversation today with a gentleman we were just talking about that about pulling back a little bit and having time just time just time just stop don't stop work you know Maybe a solution. Maybe a solution for some people is get off social media for a few weeks. Like, yeah. think how much time and energy we put into being on social media and worrying about what everybody else is doing. It's like, maybe. So I haven't been on social media much. If you do want to connect with me, <laughs> uh, uh, I am on social media. John Clint Mabry, John Clint Mabry on all platforms. Um, so you can't connect with me there. But yeah, I've just taken time these last several months to just not worry about social media. So yeah. uh, that's been you know healthy good solution for me that's awesome well listen we really appreciate you being on today and i I can't tell you your story is amazing and i'm sure it's going to affect a lot of our listeners and so we would encourage you all three of us if you've got issues if you've got questions we are on facebook and if you have any comments questions we we would love to hear from those because uh john you you laid yourself out there i mean really but but we're grateful for that because i think it's going to help some people who are listening right now uh we've we've got a lot of listeners and i'm sure that we all live in a facade sometimes we think we're somebody that we're not and uh then we we do hit that rock bottom and and we realize we need help Mm -hmm. so uh, so I do appreciate you being on here. What a what a pleasure it is to meet you, uh, and we'd love to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to anytime, guys. Yeah. All right. Honor, honor to be here. Thank you for asking me. You've been listening to High Performance Life with Chris Sperling. Listen each week and raise your level of performance in each area of your life. Thanks for listening. 